All right, you ready? <laughs> On behalf of Living Hope, I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Here at Living Hope, um, we love Jesus. We believe that uh, he is the very Son of God, the hope of the world. And I love this video because it really just shows that, that God is desiring for us to, to really believe that, that, that God can do great things, that, that Jesus has come to earth to show the love of God by dying on the cross for our sin. And when he rose from the dead, he showed that he has victory over death. And Jesus is worthy, not just of our admiration, but he's worthy of our worship. And I believe that, that because we're in Jesus, we can indeed have a, an audacious faith. If, uh, let's see if I can get this going. If God, if God can come to earth and flesh for us, then indeed there is no uh, task too daunting. There's no sacrifice too great because God is without limit and we believe that now. Let's go ahead and let's, uh, let's, let's pray. Let's spend some time in prayer. For the people who walked in darkness, they've seen a great light. For those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, upon them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy in the harvest. They are glad as with dividing the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulders, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken on the day of Midian. And every boot for the trampling of the warrior in, 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 in battle and every garment rolled in blood is going to be burned as fuel for the fire. Why? For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, and he will establish it, and he will uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore for the zeal of the Lord of hosts. He will be the one who accomplishes these things. Father, we just praise you and thank you so much for Jesus Christ. We love Jesus, not just because he's our friend, not just because he loves us so much, but because he's the son of God. He is the very God himself who came to earth to die for sin, to, raise, to rise from the dead. Jesus is, um, is our hope, Lord. And even in our times of struggles and in our times of hurt, Lord, we look to Jesus and we just see uh, the hope, the hope that you give us, the strength that you give us, the, the, the knowing the confidence that Jesus is on the throne right now, that everything that is going on in our life is, is guided by your loving hand, by your wisdom, Lord, that you love your children, that you, you care for us in everything that we go through, that, that every, um, every event, every situation we find ourselves in, is guided by your loving and beautiful hand. In fact, the whole world is being guided by you that we may give Jesus glory and honor and praise. And Father, together as, as your people, as, as Jesus followers, as we anticipate just celebrating the birth of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we pray that you will fill our hearts anew with your grace with, the, with the, the, the wonder and the beauty of, of worship, of worshiping Jesus Christ, the very God-man. And we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so this morning we're going to be looking at um, 
messianic psalms. And is this, am I not doing it right? Sorry. Is it not working? I will, I'll, I'll just tell you when to switch, flip, okay? Next time. <laughs> yeah. Next slide. So, next slide. So we'll be looking at Messianic Psalms, and the, the Messianic Psalms are Psalms which describe to us, really, who Jesus is, and the slides are now giving you spoilers, so <laughs> switch it back. <laughs> Okay, um, uh, turn with me to Psalm 72, and let's stand in, 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 in reverence for the word of God. This is Psalm 72, this is the word of God from the psalm. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people and give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that the water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound until the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea, from rivers to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba give gifts. May all the kings bow down before him, all nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak, and the needy he saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live, may the gold of Sheba be given to him, may prayer be made for him continually, and blessings invoked for him all day. May there be abundance of grain in the land, on the tops of the mountains may it wave, may its fruit be like Lebanon, and may people blossom in the cities like grass in the field." May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him, all the nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. These are the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, and they are now ended. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now from this passage, we're going to see that, that Jesus is about hope. It is about peace, about justice, about blessing. That the coming of Jesus is about a hope for true peace. It's not just a picture of the future, but it is a reminder that we ourselves right now can be living according to this hope in Jesus Christ. Now, Psalm 72 actually was a psalm that is written by King Solomon. It describes uh, a king. Now, King Solomon is one of the most blessed kings in Israel's history, and what he's doing is he's writing about the effect 
of righteousness for a, a leader for a kingdom. He's reminding the kings of Israel at that time, saying that if you rule according to the righteousness and the mercy of God, that all will go well for you. All will go well for your kingdom. In fact, all will go well for all the surrounding kingdoms. As he Solomon was led by God, not just to write to uh, the kings of Israel, but he's also writing this psalm regarding the future and coming king, and that's Jesus, that Jesus would exemplify the righteousness of God, the mercy of God, for he will be the perfect and eternal king. And so as we focus on the coming of Christmas, we want to look at what this psalm says about Jesus Christ, our king. So the first thing we want to look at is this question, you know, what is hope? If Jesus is bringing hope to the world, what exactly is hope? I mean, we think about Jesus, Jesus is a, a, is a historical person, he brought peace during a historical time, but the significance of Jesus is not just during the time when he was here, but he was here to bring hope for the world, uh, for, for not just one moment in history, but for all eternity. And I want to show this video in regards to um, the question, really, answering what is hope. So we'll go ahead and show this. If you notice um, this vision for hope for the students, um, they mention things like friendship, a feeling of a place, a, a place that they can call home. They want to say that anything is possible. They want to uh, feel valued, to feel like someone says, you know, you're important in this life. And I believe that these are not just the hopes of, of students. I believe this is really the hope of, of the world. That all of us, we want to, to have a place where we do, we can call home. We want to say that, that we have friendships, that we have people in this world that, that love us. We want to feel like, like indeed, that, that we're valued. That the struggles that we go through, that people notice. This is, this is a yearning for peace. This is the peace that, that when Jesus uh, brings peace to the world, these are the things that, 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 that Jesus is, is talking about, this type of peace. And in verse 1, it says, Give to the king your justice, O Lord, and your righteousness to your royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people and give deliverance to children of of the needy, the crushed, and the oppressor. And in this verse, you see the word prosperity. And the word prosperity here literally is the word shalom, the word peace. Now, the word shalom in the, in, in the, in the uh, Hebrew is actually a very, very dense word in the Bible. And it means more than just peace. In fact, there are three um, aspects to this peace represented in, in, in the word of God. And first, shalom, peace.
peace represents this idea of fullness, the fullness of blessing, the fullness of goodness, the fullness of peace and prosperity, the fullness of justice, that, that everything will be at its best and at its greatest, kind of like, like heaven, like heaven on earth. And the psalmist is asserting that Jesus, Jesus brings the promise of this type of fullness, the fullness of justice, the fullness of, of joy. And this is a, a beautiful picture of, of what our hope is in Jesus Christ. The second thing that shalom brings, or the idea, is the sense of forever. And this is, this is um, in verse uh, seven, it says, in, this, in his days may the righteous flourish and may peace abound till the moon be no more. And he speaks about the sun and the moon and, and these things are established by God uh, before creation. And when it speaks of, of the moon being no more, it really is talking about the idea of for eternity, forever. And he's saying here that the peace that Jesus brings uh, will last forever. And we think about peace, you know, it can't just be for a moment. We can't just say, well, you know, I'd like to just have a peaceful day um, for that to be perfect peace. It can't just be for a decade, you know, if someone said, well, you're going to have peace for 10 years, but after that, you know, um, that's not enough. We may say, well, what about peace for your life? We say, well, in my lifetime, I'm going to have peace, but, you know, what about my kids? What about the future? And we say, well, peace, for peace to be full, to be fulfilling, it, it, it needs to be forever. It needs to be a confidence that not just now, not just 10 years from now, not just even in my lifetime, but, but really that peace will last forever and ever from generation to generation. Again, that's the peace that God is promising through Jesus Christ. The third thing that shalom brings is the idea of for everyone. The scope of God's peace is for all people. He says, may, uh, may, they have, may he have dominion from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all the kings bow down before him. All the nations serve him. And you see here this idea, it says from sea to sea, from the ends of the earth. There's a sense that, that there's a worldwide reign, that Jesus' reign will be all-inclusive. The blessings of Jesus' kingdom uh, is not just for the few. It's, it's for all creation. I mean, it can't, it can't just be for few, not just, you know, good people. People say, oh, well, the blessings of God will be for good people. That's not perfect. We can't just say it's for the 1%. Today, we always say, oh, it's the 1% that enjoys, you know, all the blessings of this world. Even if it was the 99%, that enjoyed the blessings, that wouldn't be enough. God says it's from, from ocean to ocean, all from nation to nation, every single person. This hope is accessible uh, to them, to the powerful, to the weak, to the poor, to the forgotten, to the oppressed, to the good, and also to the, the bad, the, the, the so-called failures in this world that God's mercy is for all the nations, for all the people, for you and for me. And so we look at this and we ask a question, uh, the most important question, and that is, will I be able to enjoy this fullness of heaven from Jesus? 
We say, well, this is the first time I come to church, or maybe I only come to church. We say, well, I only come to church Christmas time and, and, and Easter, or you know, when somebody invites me, but this, this, this hope of heaven, is this only for Christians, or, or can I have this too? Or verse 9 says, may the desert tribes bow down before you. May his enemies lick the dust. Now, again, this seems like a really weird verse to uh, talk about during Christmas, but this psalm actually has some really interesting images here because it talks about the king in his court and it says that people will bow down in his court. And then it says that the desert tribes will bow down before him and his enemies will lick the dust. And so the psalmist, what the psalmist is saying here is that everyone, everyone will bow down before Jesus Christ. That those, they can bow down in his court, meaning willingly come and bow down before the king. Or they can bow down before him in defeat, licking the dust. They can fight against him, resist him, reject his rule. But they will still bow down to Jesus. See, the peace and the hope of Jesus is given really to everyone but it talks about the idea of only of those who receive it. In the same way as the king, the king says there are people who will come willingly, there are people also who will end up bowing down because they're being defeated. Everyone is gonna bow the knee, bow the knee before him, and the question really is, uh, how am I going to bow before Jesus Christ? What happens when Jesus returns? What am I going to be like? The Bible says that if we admit that we have sin, if we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for my sin and rose from the dead, and we choose to follow him by faith, God says that, that for all these, that we will uh, receive heaven as an eternal gift. We will go to heaven, and we will escape a place called hell, an unending and imaginable place, unimaginable place of, of, of suffering. See, this is the hope of Jesus. This is what is offered to every single person. You don't have to be a good person. You don't have to be a religious person. Uh, you don't have to prove that you're worthy of salvation. You don't have to pay a price. I mean, Jesus paid the price. And the question really is, will you choose to surrender to Jesus and follow him by faith? Or will you continue in doubt and disbelief, in pride and, and, and trust of ourselves? And it says really that, that the choice is, is yours. And I hope that you know, if you're here and you're, uh, you're wondering about these things, that you really will um, consider uh, Jesus Christ. Consider that indeed, he offers you this free gift to receive right now. Now, there's one other thing that we want to look at in this psalm, and, and that's really the question, how do we live according to this hope that we have in Jesus? Uh, because, you know, what, when we, when we think about Jesus, this is this is the spiritual truth that uh, that Jesus uh, lives by. That, that that when Jesus comes, he is illustrating truth. And we, we think about you know what is the truth of Jesus, and we say when we think about Jesus, well, we think about you know love. Jesus loved people, um, and we may think about servanthood. Jesus was a, a servant. He he served people. He humbled himself. Um, but here in Psalm seventy two, so, uh, Solomon highlights. Uh, a particular principle exemplified in Jesus Christ. In verse one, he says, he says, um, may he defend the cause of the poor of the people and give deliverance to the children 
Sorry, did I skip one? Give the king your justice, O God, and make your righteousness the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains bear prosperity for the people and hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people and give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. And what Solomon is saying to all the kings and to all of us, he's saying this simple thing. He's saying honoring God brings true peace and prosperity. See, he's saying to the kings, he's saying, if you live and reign according to God's righteousness, then you will have shalom. You will have peace, prosperity, completeness, uh, not just for you, not just for all your subjects, but really for all the nations, for all the world. And, and this was a reminder to every political king of Israel that, 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 that this is true. That, that you must live in righteousness. And you can see the emphasis on righteousness. I mean, he, he continues to speak about righteousness. And this is uh, the Psalm's prayer for the king. He says, if you do so, um, I guarantee you that the mountains will bear prosperity for you. The sun and the moon, uh, the peace will endure forever. And, and why was he saying this to this particular, to these kings? It's because it's really hard for the kings to think that righteousness actually brings peace. Why? Because they look at like these powerful kings, they look at the king of Babylon and they say, the king of Babylon, he lives in peace. He's got a mighty army, he gets everything he wants. Uh, the king of Assyria, he lives in peace because he don't have to worry about anybody attacking him, he don't have to worry about anything. He can just ask for whatever, the, the king of, of Moab, he, he's got peace. Uh, the king of Edom, he got peace. It's not because of God's righteousness, they don't even follow God's righteousness, but look at what they got. So the world will say to the kings of Israel, they'll say, hey, you know, um, you, you're spending too much time caring for the poor. You need to build an army. That's giving you peace. And they may say, well, you know, you're spending too much time pleasing God. What you really need to do is be building some strategic alliances with you know, Babylon right now. You, you need to stop paying so much attention to building a godly heritage. You need to build up a personal fortune of gold and, and worldly riches. That's going to bring you peace. That's going to bring you respect. Because seeing that, that the world in which the kings live, I mean, that's what they saw all the time. There were these misleading examples of how to get peace in the world, how you know, to, to get prosperity. And there's actually a number of Psalms that write to actually the people of God too. And they were saying, hey, uh, don't get envious when you see uh, evil people getting rich. And he says, don't, don't, don't. Don't doubt when you see the powerful living at ease. And the, 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 there were Psalms that were saying, hey, how come the powerful live at ease? They have no troubles and no problems. And here I am trying to serve the Lord and honor the Lord. And, um, and I have all these struggles and difficulties. And the psalmist is saying, um, these are the lies of Satan in the world. That, that, that in reality, those who forsake God's righteousness and justice, they're reserving for themselves um, judgment. And that their life of ease is going to uh, uh, really turn to, to a life of sorrow. And this is a warning to say there's one thing that is true and one thing that always will be true. And that is that righteousness brings peace. And the thing is, is that this still stands today, right? Right? The world is constantly 
feeding us lies. The world will say, hey, just live your dream and you'll have peace. Just look out for yourself and, and everything will go well. Uh, uh, just do what you need to do to get what you want out of life and uh, everything will be fine. You know, a lot of times, you know, we look at the world around us and we say, hey, you know, this, um, this principle, righteousness brings peace, uh, don't work. It doesn't work, God. It doesn't work in my workplace. It doesn't work in my school. It doesn't even work in my family. He said, we may say to God, well, let me tell you my world, the world I live in. See, in my world, if you don't look out for yourself, no one else will look out for you. We say, well, in my world, if you don't protect yourself, people are always going to hurt you. In my world, if you don't retaliate, then bad people are always going to prosper, and good people like myself are never going to get what we deserve. In my world, if you don't lift yourself up, you're going to be forgotten. You won't get anything. In my world, if you try to, you know, in my world where I work and where I live, if you always try to be a good and truthful person, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to be always the one getting hurt. And we say, that's, God, that's, that's my world. The world I live in. And God says to us, good thing that this is not your world. God says, this is my world. This is my world, where Jesus is my king, and Jesus will rule my world, and Jesus will rule all the nations and all the people that belong to me, and all these people, everyone will bow down before Jesus, and every lie of Satan in my world, in God's world, will be exposed for what it is, and righteousness will bring peace. It is still true, and my son, when he comes, he will vindicate it, he will prove it, he will show that indeed righteousness brings peace. And the thing is, as we look at this and we, we think, well, that's not the world in which we live in right now. And we say, well, maybe I just got to sit tight and wait till Jesus comes and then I'll enjoy this type of world. Or maybe we say, well, I'm going to live like the world right now. And then when Jesus comes, I'll switch and I'll start living like, you know, God's world. But right now I got to live like my world because this is the world I'm in. And God says, no, that, that doesn't work like that. You can't just wait until, you know, sit in the world right now and say, I'm going to live like the world right now because this is the world I live in. And God, when Jesus comes and he sets up your world, then God, then I'll live like your world. Then I'll live according to your righteousness. When, when I don't get persecuted for your righteousness anymore, when, when I can turn my cheek and I'm not going to get slapped again or things like that. And we say, that, I'll wait till Jesus comes and then I'll live like that. And, but God says, no, 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 that's not the way to go. He says, I want you to live in this world world right now because this world right now is still my world you don't wait until jesus comes because you and i we're the evidence of christ on earth we're the evidence of the kingdom of god we're the evidence of god's world in this world that's just filled with so much lies and so much darkness and we're preparing this way for the reign of jesus to come and to really show that that that, that, that god's world is the real world that righteousness does bring peace. And so we look at this now and we say, what does this mean now for me as I think about living righteousness, living according to God's righteousness in the world right now? What does it mean to have an audacious hope? 
What does it mean to, to live in a world that's not going to affirm the things of God, that's not going to reward the things of God, that's not going to bless the things of God, but yet we're still going to live according to the things of God because we believe that in the end, that's what's going to produce peace. That's what's really going to bring blessing in this world. What if instead of you know, living like this world, we lived according to God's righteousness right now? What if instead of always protecting our own reputation and trying to gain favor in the sight of men, what if instead we took risks for Jesus Christ? What if instead of trying to impress people, we instead tried to serve people? What if instead of justifying myself before God, I I confess my sin before God constantly? How would that make a difference in my life? What, What if instead of making excuses about my sin, that I really made a commitment to do something about my sin and determined to follow through with it because I really believe even if I fail, even if I fall, even if no one encourages me that, that this is the right thing to do. And that I'll be blessed if I, if I turn away and let go of the sin that, that keeps dragging me down. What if instead of, of, of wishing that I had a better spiritual life, that I actually did something to have a better spiritual life? What if instead, instead of being comfortable, I stepped out and said, I want to disciple someone. Or I want to be discipled by someone. What if instead I, of, of trying to solve all my problems, because problems just keep coming up every day, there's another problem, I gotta solve that one, another problem, I gotta solve that one, and there's like 10 other problems that are still waiting in the wings that I still haven't gotten to yet, and what if instead of trying to, to solve all my problems, um, I just quieted my soul and spent time praying and believe that, that those quiet times just sitting before the Lord, that that's going to do so much more than me just trying to solve all my problems? What if instead of criticizing others, I reached out and loved them unconditionally? No matter whether they respond to my love or don't respond to my love, I just still love them. That's God's righteousness. What if instead of saying, it can't be done, it can't be done, no way, what if we ask Jesus if it can? Jesus can do it. What if instead of ignoring the voice of the Spirit, we actually stopped and took time to listen? I said, Jesus, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? It's been a long time, and I've been so busy just trying to serve you and read your word, but I, I haven't really sat down and listened to you what you want for my life. What if instead of saying maybe someday to God, maybe someday, we say yes to God today. Yes, I'll do it today, God. What if instead of clinging to our deepest desires and wants, we surrender them on the altar? What if instead of insisting on our plans, my plans, what I want, what I think is best for me, what if we surrender to God's plan for my life, whatever that means, wherever he will lead me, whatever he will make me, 
What if instead of saying that that's not fair all the time, that we sit down and we, we think of all the reasons to thank God, to really thank him for all of his goodness. God is so good. What if, what if instead of, of, of trying to carry all of life's burdens on ourselves, saying, I can do it, we would admit our weariness to Jesus and we would lay down our burdens and take up his burden on our life. And Jesus says his yoke is light. His yoke is easy. What if instead of, 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 of doubting, we actually believe in the promises of God and we live by them? What if we believe, believe in the power of prayer? and the sovereignty of God, and we rested in these things? What if we actually believed in the power and the authority of God in this world, and we actually stepped out and lived and acted according to that? What if we stepped out in faith and actually shared our faith, regardless of what people say, regardless of what people do, regardless of how many rejections we have received, and we say, it can't be done, Jesus, it can't be done, Jesus, I've done it so many times, it can't be done, and we just step out of faith and say, yes, it can, in Jesus it can. I believe, Jesus, you can change hearts. I believe, Jesus, you can do this. I believe, Jesus, that if I step out in faith, that this can happen. I believe, Jesus, that even if it doesn't happen, it's still worth it doing this, stepping out, living in righteousness, doing the things that God has called us to do, and just believing that that is enough. I don't need a reward. I don't need to see the results. I don't need to, to have everything work out for me in my life, just doing uh, the righteous acts of God, just living to please Jesus, that's enough for me. That's audacious faith. That's audacious hope. That's a belief that acting rightly in the eyes of God brings its own reward. I don't need anything else. I don't need any other promises. I don't need any other results or encouragement, things like that. I believe that acting rightly in the eyes of God brings its own reward, that this is what God wants, and that when I do this, I will not only bring peace and shalom to my life, but I'll bring it to my family, to my friends, to my workplace, to my school, to my neighborhood, to the next generation, to the world, to everyone around us, if I believe that acting rightly in the eyes of God brings its own reward, and I live like this is God's world right now. This is the message of audacious hope. This is the belief and the confidence that in the end, Jesus will prove that righteousness brings peace. The righteousness of Christ through faith in his death and resurrection, the righteousness of Christ that we live out every day, even if the world laughs at us, even if the world scorns righteousness, even if love brings sacrifice and very little reward in this world, this is God's world and in the end, Jesus, when he comes, and he is coming soon, he will make all things right. He will prove without a doubt that living according to the righteousness of God, that is the only way to bring peace to this world. It is the only hope we have. And it is a very real hope. It is a hope of Christmas. 
Is it a hope of the fullness of joy, the fullness of goodness, the fullness of justice and peace for every single person, for the whole world, for everyone who will put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior? And we are the ones that know this hope. We already have this hope. And God's not just calling us to, to say this to other people, but to live this every single day until Jesus returns. Let's, let's go ahead and let's, let's, let's spend some time in prayer right now.